Hello there, and welcome to the 63rd episode of Blue Jays World Update. I'm your host, Thomas Hall, and let's get you up to date. All right, so in this week's episode, I'm going to be talking about injury updates on Nate Pearson, Julian Merriweather, George Springer, Danny Jansen. We're going to talk about September call-ups and which two players the Blue Jays may bring up to the majors when rosters expand to 28 players on September 1st, which is this coming Wednesday. Um, Then we're going to get into Jose Barrios and how he dominated the Detroit Tigers in his most recent start. Talk about the mechanical changes that he made prior to this most recent start. And then we're also going to get into Robbie Ray and how he's got another opportunity to dominate in his next start, which will come against the Baltimore, Baltimore Orioles on Monday. And how, once again, he's on his way to getting a very hefty payday in the offseason. So let's dive in here. Alright, so let's talk uh, about these injury updates like we do every week. And first and foremost, we got to start with George Springer. Because there's a very good chance that he may make his return to the lineup this week. uh, More specifically... Um, this series upcoming against Baltimore because over the weekend in Detroit he continued to run the bases he was running it in the outfield as well making more progress which you love to see Um, still no official word as to when uh, which day he may be activated but Springer even said himself that it would be great um, if it could come as early as Monday So we'll have to wait and see on that front. But considering how much this offense has struggled um, with and without Springer as of late, um, I mean, it's become even more evident of how much they miss him recently, especially over these last two weeks. Um, Having him back in the lineup, especially with this team going up against the Orioles over the next three games, That'd be a huge shot in the arm for this offense. You'd hope, right? Um, I mean, Vladdy has, in particular, really been been turning it around uh, lately. Um, he still hasn't hasn't been going deep as much as we saw earlier this year. But again, he doesn't have to to be effective, right? He, capable of spraying the ball to all three parts of the field, generating hard contact, which are two things he's been able to do recently. So that's a great sign. Um, The only problem is the Blue Jays aren't getting a ton of production from the bottom of their lineup. But in saying that, if Springer were to return to the lineup, that means everyone gets pushed down a spot. You don't have to worry about uh, guys like Josh Palacios or Jared Dyson, who, I mean, can be an effective player for the Blue Jays. He's a very good defensive outfielder, specifically in center field. Uh, he's got some speed, so he could help you out in some late-game pinch-running situations. So that could be an option there as well um, for him. But again, with Springer back in the lineup, you don't have to see as much uh, of him or Palacios and be honest I think Palacios is probably destined for the minors once uh once Springer eventually comes back to the the active roster he kind of got bailed out over the weekend um 
with Espinal going down with his hip flexor strain, which unfortunately we don't really have an update on right now. But I think if Espinal doesn't get hurt, especially considering how Palacios basically, you know, blew the game. I mean, all the blame doesn't deserve to be pointed at him because, again, the offense really didn't give the the pitching staff or the defense much margin for error because they only mustered up one run. So uh, once Palacio missed that uh, diving catch and it led to the inside the park home run, I think we can all say that we expected to see Palacios probably the next, ga- next day uh, being optioned down to the minors. So he kind of caught a break there. But again, once Springer comes back, I think he'll rightly uh, go back to Buffalo because I think even too, I don't expect to see Palacios back in the majors unless there's an injury after Springer returns because since the Blue Jays are only allowed to call up two players once rosters expand on on September 1st, they're probably going to use both of those opportunities to add another reliever to the bullpen and probably add a third catch to the team like Danny Jansen. Um, And let's get into that here as well, because Nate Pearson has now made four appearances out of the bullpen with the Bisons. And it seems as though that he's kind of turned a corner a bit on his mechanical adjustments that he, he needed to make down in the minors. Now, the results aren't, aren't exceptional for Pearson. Um, and his most recent start, or most recent outing, still weird to think of him as a reliever. Um, but in that last start that came on August 28th, he th- faced five batters, struck out a pair of them, but he also allowed a couple of hits, which led to a run as well. Um, now, their AAA results, so you kind of have to take them with a grain of salt because you're playing with AAA defense. Um, but it is interesting that Pearson hasn't been dominant throughout his time as a reliever in the minors. Now, it's only four appearances, so that's a very small sample size, but it's not like he's been an absolute flamethrower. Yeah, he th- he's throwing a, a lot of high 90s velocity, but he's not really blowing anyone away to the extent that we kind of saw Alec Manoa blowing away hitters earlier this year. And he wasn't doing it with high 90s velocity. He was doing it with exceptional command with his four-seamer and then also with that nasty uh, mid 80 slider as well but for Pearson he still has some work to do with locating his pitches effectively in the strike zone and you know for a team that that is really desperate to get any win as possible right now in the Blue Jays you know yeah Nate Pearson can probably help him in the bullpen but the, we can't set the bar extremely high for a guy who has battled with his command throughout this season. Um, So I fully expect Nate Pearson to probably come up 
on September 1st, if not before. But at the same time, it's going to take him probably a little bit of time, maybe even more than that, to really get comfortable again throwing the major league hitters. Now, I think without question, it'll help that he'll be able to work with a guy like Pete Walker, who is, I like to call, a pitching whisperer, because anytime he works with someone, um, you know, after you know a few weeks, they seem like a completely different hitter. Um, you know, look at Ross Stripling earlier this year. Without Pete Walker, who knows what type of year he would have had. Probably would have been very disappointing, especially the way he was performing before making his mechanical adjustments. So I think it'll be great for Nate to spend an entire month working with Pete Walker. That'll probably allow him to finish this roller coaster type of year on a high note, which would be great for him to be able to uh, come into spring training next year with, you know, a lot of confidence, a bit of a chip on his shoulder to try and make this team out of camp. So we'll see what happens there. But I think without a doubt, we'll probably see Nate Pearson up in the majors sometime this week. Um, And I think another pitcher who isn't too far away from returning to the majors is Julian Merriweather. Because... You know, health has been a, a major uh, liability, or at least a lack of full health for him, because he's been out basically since May with that oblique injury. Now, he has been making some rehab appearances, um, but he hasn't made too many of them because he was forced to uh, sit out for a, a week or so, uh, maybe even a little less than that, if my math is correct. Um, after making his first rehab appearance down in, in Low A Dunedin, where he threw an inning, faced three batters, struck out one, gave up a hit, and, and also walked one as well. Um, but after that, he, he felt some soreness in his throwing arm, and the Blue Jays were caught, wanted to play things cautiously and, and shut him down. But uh, it, it was only a, a minor setback that he experienced. He actually resumed his rehab assignment in the uh, um, Florida, yeah, Florida Coast League, I believe it's called, uh, made an appearance with the Blue Jays team down there on August 24th through an inning, uh, faced four hitters, didn't allow a hit, a walk, uh, it struck out a batter as well, and then immediately after that, um, he was sent up to AAA with the Bisons and made his first appearance with them on August 28th. And didn't fare too well. I'm not going to lie. He did strike out a pair of batters. But he also allowed two hits, a run, and a walk. So I think, you know, considering how much time Merriweather has missed, um, they'll probably want to give him, you know, at least one one more outing with the Bisons before their season comes to a close. Um... After that, I'm not entirely sure where um, or how the Blue Jays will move forward with Merriweather because I don't, I don't think that's enough action to give him the green light to return to the majors. I think it would be great if he could make, you know, 
five or six rehab appearances before he comes back up to the majors. So maybe he goes down to the Blue Jays spring training complex in Dunedin and um, throws a couple of sim games down there before coming back. Because um, it just, if, if you're going to call up one pitcher on September 1st, it makes a lot more sense, or it would make a lot more sense to call up someone like Nate Pearson, who health-wise is significantly ahead of Merriweather, even though he's experienced some mechanical issues um, this season. So I think odds are I would probably bet my money on Pearson coming up on September 1st, probably along with Danny Jansen, and then maybe, you know, Around Labor Day, maybe even a little bit after that, we could potentially see Merriweather back in the majors, which again would be a huge boost for the Blue Jays bullpen if he's back to the same type of player he was before he suffered the oblique injury, where he absolutely dominated the Yankees lineup uh, on opening day weekend, which got everyone excited, understandably. And we haven't seen much of him since then, so... Here's to a, uh, a very speedy and healthy recovery through the rest of the way for Merriweather. Because that's a guy who just has not been able to catch a break uh, injury-wise throughout his entire career. Right? Like, rewind back to, whew, it was 2018 when the Blue Jays traded Josh Donaldson to the Cleveland Guardians. I refuse to call them the other name. Um, for Merriweather, and we didn't even know who was coming the other way until the end of the season because Merriweather, uh, I believe, was was undergoing Tommy John surgery, and the details of the, of the trade couldn't be released until the end of the year. So, you know, that's that's a guy who just has not been able to stay healthy throughout his professional career, and uh, it's it sucks because he has so much potential as a high leverage reliever. We got a taste of it earlier in the year, like I said, and uh, it would be great if, if he can, similar to Pearson, finish the year that has been a very rocky road on a high note, right? And, and head into next year healthy, looking to battle for a spot uh, at the back end of the Blue Jays bullpen, because there's no doubt the Blue Jays are gonna make numerous upgrades to their pen in the offseason. They have to, especially after the year they've had this year. And they'll probably be looking to make a lot more safer choices. Um, you know, not taking a chance on a guy who's coming off an injury-filled year like Kirby Yates was. Um, probably not a, hoping a guy like David Phelps can step into a big role. Um, and then having him blow out his his arm early in the year, I, I'm I'm very confident in saying the Blue Jays are probably going to make a lot more safer choices in that department, especially when they're looking to add multiple high leverage arms to their bullpen. So, um, yeah, I mean it, it it would just be great to have Merriweather back in the very sh near future. Um, and like I've said already a couple of times, I fully expect Danny Jansen to make a return to the Blue Jays uh, roster this year. And, and he's been playing a lot with the Bisons ever since um, 
being sent on his on his rehab assignment. He's appeared in seven games already. Um, you know, the results in AAA haven't been great for Jansen, at least offensively. Defensively, he's, he's done a decent job behind the plate there for them. But, you know, again, like I said, with, with Pearson's results, you kind of have to take those minor league uh, metrics with a grain of salt. Um, but at the same time, we kind of know what Danny Jansen is as an offensive player, right? Can't expect a whole lot from him. But um, I think just from a relationship standpoint that Danny Jansen has with a guy like Hunjin Ryu, who has struggled with his command and his pitch selection a little bit um, here lately. So I think given the relationship Jansen has with Ryu, I think that would, you know, I, I, I at least... I hope that having Jansen back behind the plate paired with Ryu would give him a little bit more confidence and allow him to feel better on the mound and allow him to pitch more freely and not have to worry about um, getting into not an argument, but not being on the same page as Reese McGuire when he's catching Ryu. So um, I think that's maybe something to keep an eye on. But also, too, um, if the Blue Jays call Jansen up on September 1st, they don't necessarily have to get rid of Reese McGuire. Like, it, it, it wouldn't make a ton of sense for the Blue Jays to carry three catchers on their Major League roster because, you know, there's, there's not going to be a ton of playing time to go around because are you really going to DH um, Reese McGuire, Danny Jansen? No, you're... Out of the three of Maguire, Jansen, and Kirk, you're probably going to DH Kirk a lot more than anyone else. And I would love to give Kirk as many at-bats as possible, especially with him being a young hitter and probably the best hitter out of those three anyway. But the Blue Jays like to keep their DH spot as a like vacant rotating spot where they can rotate multiple guys through there, and, and they probably don't want... Kirk occupying that spot, you know, three out of the seven days of the week. Um, so, but at the same time, I think McGuire has done enough this year, at least defensively, to, you know, warrant a roster spot. And, and you know, I think he kind of deserves an opportunity to stay with this team through the rest of the season. I don't know what the future holds for him, especially given that the Blue Jays are pretty deep at the catcher spot, even though they, they traded Riley Adams, who is having a phenomenal performance with the Washington Nationals. That, now that he's getting every day um, at-bats uh, with, with their team, he, he's just taken off completely, especially from an offensive standpoint. He is just raking at the plate. Um, but even without him, the Blue Jays are extremely deep behind the plate. They got Gabriel... Moreno coming and he's probably still a few years away maybe we'll get a glimpse of him at the you know towards the end of next season but who knows right um so I, I and there's also you know the possibility of the Blue Jays looking to make an upgrade behind the dish over the offseason too like that's also a possibility um considering the lack of production offensively they've received from that position this year I wouldn't be surprised to see them maybe go out and make a veteran 
upgrade, especially too, if the Blue Jays have an opportunity to make a major upgrade to their roster, you know, potentially add another frontline starter, add a, you know, impact player at third base or corner outfield spot, they could make Kirk expendable, right? Like, I think long term, he's probably not the franchise catcher. I think Moreno has that label all but locked up at this point, even though he's very, um, he, he's not uh, experienced, at least, you know, from a professional standpoint. But I wouldn't be surprised to see them go out and, you know, the Blue Jays had some interest in Jan Gomes at the trade deadline, right? Like I could see them going out and pursuing a veteran guy like that on a short-term deal just to add, you know, another voice uh, in the locker room. Another guy that, you know, Dandy Jansen can lean on or another guy that, um, you know, you, you don't have to worry about defensively, right? Because Kirk is not a good defensive catcher, right? Like no disrespect to the guy. I'm a huge fan of his. I'm not going to rip him anywhere near as much as Buck Martinez does he just cannot stand and I think that's more of Martinez's old school mindset coming into play where he just refuses to understand why pitch framing is becomes so important in today's game um, and he hates the whole one knee um, catching style and he just takes it out on Kirk because he really struggles at blocking pitches as it is and and he's been unfortunate at times when it comes to those situations where, you know, he's been exposed and, and unable to block pitches and those have led to some runs. So, you know, that that has given Buck a free pass to just rip Kirk whenever he wants to. And I don't agree with it one bit, but that's what's happened. Um, but going back to this season and, and what I think will happen, I, I you know, I, I would be surprised if the Blue Jays DFA'd McGuire for a second time this year, um, I think he, he's redeemed himself from his just terrible 2020 season where he he had that incident in the, in the mall parking lot where, you know, he ex exposed himself in his car and, and got arrested for it. And then, you know, the 60-game season was not kind to him at all. And, you know, I'm sure that had to take a toll on his mental um, you know, aspect as well. So it's been kind of nice to see him bounce back, at least again, defensively. He doesn't provide much offensive upside. Um, neither did Danny Jansen either, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Blue Jays carry three catchers through the rest of this season. Once rosters expand to 28 players. Um, now let's get into Jose Barrios here because he deserves a ton of credit for not only coming to a new organization um, a month ago, but, you know, really just opening himself up to Pete Walker and the coaching staff. Because not a lot of guys at this stage of, the, of their careers, like Barrios is that, would be willing to immediately you know, um, be open to making some adjustments to their craft. And that's what Brios has done because, you know, Pete Walker has worked his magic again with Brios and, and he absolutely 
dominated the Tigers hitters over the weekend. And, and first, I, I want to get into his numbers before I talk about what the changes he made to his delivery. But uh, he he really got off to a great start with the Blue Jays through two starts. He combi- compiled a, a combined 12 innings and only gave up one run over those two starts, struck out 13 hitters and only walked one. Um, and then he, he really hit a, a low point over his next three starts where he walked a combined seven hitters over nine and a third innings, gave up nine runs, uh, only eight of them earned, but still nine runs total. Um, he also gave up a combined 13 hits, really couldn't command the, the strike zone as well with with his fastball or his sinker and, and because of that he really couldn't set up his curveball which is his best pitch um, so he wasn't able to generate many strikeouts or whiffs at all over those three starts and then you come into this start which already is a favorable matchup because you're going against the rebuilding Tigers um, and because of the mechanical changes that he made, he went seven shutout or seven shutout innings. He only gave up one run, but it wasn't earned. Um, and he recorded eleven strikeouts, um, which even even with the very brief rain delay that they had in Detroit, that did not throw him off at all. He just immediately came back out and continued to do his thing on the mound, which was fantastic to watch. Um, but as for what changes he made, it, it's so funny for a pitcher, especially when it comes to pitchers, that the smallest changes can make such a big difference. It's so mind-blowing to me because what Barrios changed um, in his last start compared to his previous ones was not significant at all. Really, all he did was um, he altered how far he was moving his hands up above his head. So prior to Sunday start, before Brios gets into his whole windup, he would raise his hands above his head and touch the back of his shoulders and then bring his arms back down to about his chest and then deliver the pitch right he's been doing that actually a little bit below his chest more of his belt uh he's been doing that pretty much his entire career right and then pete walker gets his hands on burrios watch some video watches his bullpen sessions and then talks to him about it and is basically like okay let's just make some small change and make it a little bit more simplified for yourself. So instead of going above his head, touching the back of his shoulders with his uh, hands before he delivers the pitch, all he really does is he raises his arms up towards his face, and then he brings them back down towards his belt, same, where, same way he finished prior to this mechanical change, and then he delivers the pitch. That's it. He just really just simplified his delivery. Um, and it really worked. Like it, it was a it, it was a huge um, success in that department because it allowed him to locate his fastball and his sinker significantly more uh, effectively 
um, he was able to do that. He got four strikeouts with his four-seamer, four strikeouts with his sinker. He got a trio of strikeouts with his curveball as well. And I think the biggest thing for me too is that he he's altered his pitch usage since coming over to the Blue Jays because over his first two starts, he was really heavy with his curveball, throwing it around 40% of the time. And his fastball and his sinker, he really only used them around 20, 22% of the time over his first few starts. Um, and then once we got to his third and fourth and fifth starts with the Blue Jays, he really still started to change his pitch usage where he started using his fastball and his sinker a little bit more and his curveball a little bit less, which are two pitches that uh, can set up his, his curveball really effectively. But the thing is, with him not being able to locate either of his two fastballs, he was really caught between a, a rock and a hard place, right? Where he's got three really good pitches and his fast and his four seamer, his sinker, and his curveball. But because he wasn't able to set up his curveball effectively, none of them were really all that effective over his last three starts heading into this past one against the Tigers. So um, hopefully this is only the, the really minor change he needed to make for him to really um, look like the frontline starter that the Blue Jays hoped they were acquiring at the deadline and the guy that you know Brios looked like through his first two starts of the Blue Jays where he dominated the Royals and dominated the Red Sox um, and if he can if he can continue to be this type of guy who can give you six seven innings only give up one two or even no runs at all and, and you know touching double digits and strikeouts or even maybe just a, a little below that like that that would be a perfect perfect um type of performance the blue jays need out of a guy like burrios down the stretch here because with robbie ray dominating on the mound uh like the way he is and if burrios can you know ball that up with you know electric performances of his own Blue Jays are going to continue to be in a great spot um, pitching-wise through the rest of the season because Matt has really um, got into a little bit of a groove here over his last, you know, three, four starts. Um, and, and if Ryu can, can figure things out on the mound as well because, um, you know, he hasn't been all that great with his location over his last couple of starts. And uh, he's allowed a, a lot of hard contact as a result of that um, poor location. So if getting Danny Jansen back behind the plate can help him improve that uh, that location and his pitch selection too, then, you know, there's three, four um, guys you can really rely on down the stretch um, for Toronto, which would be huge, especially given that their offense is continuing to struggle to score uh, runs on a daily basis, which is a problem they did not experience through the first, you know, four, five, yeah, four and a half months of the season, really, right? Even without Springer, they were mashing baseballs. Um, 
So, even though their offense isn't giving their pitching staff a whole lot of room for error, if the Blue Jays continue to pitch well, at least their starting rotation continues to pitch well, they're going to continue to be in these games through the rest of the month. And hopefully once Springer comes back, they can sort of build off of that uh, quality starting pitching that they're receiving and, and give their pitching staff more breathing room so that when you have you know defensive miscues like you had with Palacios in, in center field where he's a young player trying to make a name for himself, trying to help this team grind out a win by making a huge diving catch, but then he comes up short and that leads to a run. If the Blue Jays had, you know, multiple runs of support um, while that type of play happened, it wouldn't have been as big of a deal as it was. Um, and then same with the bullpen blowups, right? If you have more breathing room, more runs of support, they're not as big of an issue. You're not asking, you know, guys to pitch perfectly uh, in those situations. Yeah, it'd be great if the Blue Jays... Uh, we're able to get better production out of Brad Hand and Adam Simber didn't go through a couple of hiccups that he went through. Um, same with Trevor Richards, who got knocked around a little bit on that West Coast trip. Um, you know, it, it's just it all comes down to if the Blue Jays are scoring runs like they were earlier in the season, they're going to probably make up a lot of ground and not be throwing these games away um, like they have been. But this three-game set that's coming up against Baltimore is another great opportunity for the Blue Jays to make up some ground in the wildcard standing because heading into Monday, they're five and a half games back and they got to jump ahead of the Mariners and the A's still. Um, and trying to jump ahead of two teams with one month remaining in the schedule is not an easy task. So, you know, it's great that the Blue Jays play the Orioles twice over the next few weeks. They also play Oakland uh, this coming weekend as well. So that's going to be a huge series. But with Robbie Ray on the mound on Monday, this guy's got another opportunity to prove that he is a frontline starter, which he's done a great job at proving this year. He's having a career year. Um, and it'll also allow him to build, hopefully, allow him to build off his monster outing that he had against the White Sox in his last start, where he mowed them down. Double-digit strikeouts, giving the Blue Jays an opportunity to win, and they were able to do so. They grinded one out. And it is further to the point of Robbie Ray is going to get a monster contract in the offseason. Um, because if you're looking for comparisons, and that's how these things work, right? The eight, Every player agent, when it comes to free agency, they look at comparisons where they can um, say, oh, well, that guy got this much in this term and my guy's numbers are very similar to his. So that's a comparable type of contract that he should be re receiving this offseason. And for Robbie Ray, um, he's a very good comparison to Zach Wheeler. And for those of you who don't remember, Zach Wheeler, after playing his whole career with the Mets, entered free agency uh, prior to the 2020 season, and he signed a monster five-year, $118 million deal with the Phillies. And the thing is, Robbie Ray 
was the same age as Wheeler when he entered free agency. Now, Wheeler had a better year in his walk year with the Mets. He had a 4.7 Fangrass war rating, where Robbie Ray this year has a 3.2. But I think by the end of the year, Robbie Ray will probably up, be up close to a 4 war. So that's pretty similar to Wheeler's uh, war. And considering Wheeler basically got, he got an average annual value of 23.6 million um, per season, I think that's a pretty reasonable range for Robbie Ray as well. But I think too, for a guy who has had control issues in his past, um, I don't necessarily think a lot of teams are going to want to give Robbie Ray a five-year deal, even though he is the same age Wheeler was when he got his five-year deal. I just think if, if Robbie Ray had more seasons like he had this year, where command wasn't an issue, I think he'd, without question, get as long of a deal as he wants. Um, but I think for him, I think four years is probably the ideal spot where most teams would be willing to go. Um, I wouldn't be surprised even if some teams were maxing out at three years. Um, now that would probably lead to a higher average annual value for Ray on a shorter deal. But I think for the Blue Jays, a very reasonable starting point would be four years, $100 million, $25 million per season. I think that's very reasonable for a guy like that. Um, and, you know, he's probably not thinking about free agency a whole lot right now, but it did not take Robbie Ray very long last offseason to decide he wanted to come back with the Blue Jays. And given the amount of success, the success he's enjoyed this time around and being able to work with Pete Walker for a full season, I don't see any reason why he would want to go. Right? Like, he's in a very comfortable situation with the Blue Jays right now. He, he really... Uh, feels comfortable with the coaching staff, with Pete Walker, and he's on a competitive team, right? And, and this is really the first time in years where Ray has enjoyed a lot of success. Like the last time he recorded a sub three ERA was 2017 with the Diamondbacks. Um, and, and right now he's on pace to have a better, more valuable uh, season than that year. So... You know, and from the Blue Jays' standpoint, it's probably going to be very difficult to replace Robbie Ray's production, right? Like, if you look ahead to free agency, there's not a ton of frontline starters available in free agency. So, um, I, I just, I, I, I think there's too many reasons not to bring Robbie Ray back for, you know, another four seasons, maybe five, like. You know, considering the Blue Jays have already already have a working relationship with Robbie Ray, maybe they don't have to overpay like they usually do with free agents, right? Because, you know, you look at George Springer, the Blue Jays had to give him an extra year to outbid the Mets. You look at Hanjin Ryu, the Blue Jays had to give him an extra year to outbid the Dodgers, to outbid the Los Angeles Angels. So... You know, maybe at four years, $25 million per season. That's enough to convince Ray to sign on the dotted line and stick around for another four years. Now, I, I'm still a little skeptical about him being able 
to sustain this type of production, especially given that Ray has only really used two pitches this year, his fastball and his slider. Um, and usually, now, those are two elite pitches, but usually for starting pitchers, the bare minimum is three, right? You need three quality pitches to stay in the rotation as a starter. Ray is one of the exceptions to that case because he has two elite pitches that just blow away hitters. But if he's able to further develop, you know, his changeup or curveball, then I'd be a lot more confident about his ability to sustain this type of production over a four-year span. But nonetheless, I think it's at least sustainable into next season and probably the year after that. But once he's, you know, if he ever starts losing velocity um, during this next contract, that's when I think it could start to go a little bit uh, south for Ray. I think that's when hitters probably won't struggle nearly as much against his stuff. But hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully I'm wrong. And hopefully it doesn't happen um, in the next, you know, little while here. Because I, I love what Robbie Ray's doing on the mound here. And I think it would be a damn shame if he were to depart through free agency after this season. So, but that does it for this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed my, my uh, deep dive into Brios' mechanical adjustments, which players the Blue Jays could call up in, in September earlier this, or, uh, uh, this upcoming week. And uh, hopefully all of you enjoy, uh, join me next time, easy for me to say, for another edition a Blue Jays World Update. But until that time, I'm your host, Thomas Hall, and now you're up to date. And please remember, wear a mask, wear it properly, and get vaccinated both doses. Thanks for listening.